Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the review show for the episode on wealth inequality. I'm Connor Pope, Deputy Editor of Progress, and I'm with Progress Director Richard Angel. Together we'll be looking back over the past week and responding to some of your comments. So this week's podcast was with the wonderful Liz Kendall, obviously Alison McGovern, Connor Pope and myself as well, and looked at this issue of asset inequality. And I think it's an issue that we have to keep coming back to as progressives. I think it is fair to say that an analysis of the last Labour government was it tried and in so many ways succeeded at holding together the gap between earnings for rich and poor during that time in government. But what it was unable to do, and I think Liz explained this really well in the podcast, was deal with that asset gap between rich and poor. Because largely, if you started that Labour government having had some assets, they appreciated over time, because partly because we run a strong economy for lots of that period, see Gordon Brown's memoir for many of the achievements in that time. But if you didn't have assets, they didn't obviously appreciate you, had nothing to appreciate. And that is a kind of perplexing issue. So Liz talked about some of the things that we did that necessary but potentially insufficient in the Child Trust Fund and the Savings Gateway. But of course, it potentially was too little too late. But even if it was too little, it was an important step. The bit that loyal listeners to the podcast will remember Alan Simpson, who was on previously, he sent me some stuff having listened to the podcast about one of the kind of pernicious thing about the Tories is that when they abolished the Child Trust Fund, yes, it had a kind of impact initially on the budget, but because of the stamp duty that you would charge on the way that child trust funds are invested for the 18 years, they were kind of put away so the child can't touch them. Essentially, the stamp duty charged on those meant the Treasury more than got 250 quid back. So okay. over the life of that trust fund, they were essentially cost neutral. And I remember reading Alan's blog about it at the time, and it stuck with me because it's one of those poignant reminders that because it didn't, the Tory kids didn't need it, mm. the Tory government got rid of it. But our kids really do. And I thought one of Alison's interesting points in the podcast was to say those are going to start to mature really quickly. And what the 18-year-olds do with their child trust fund when they come up will be important. What won't happen that would have happened had we still got a Labour government is there won't be products almost put available for them to use that money well at that time. And that's, I think, potentially sad and a missed opportunity and something that we'll need a Labour government to get back to reverse and then an 18-year period to pass again and hopefully to have a Labour government 
at the point they're mature and that's quite a long that, way that, that's a, that's a really interesting point it seems it again comes back to this idea that labor were really trying to push home a few years ago and perhaps failed to do to some extent but the idea that the Tories what they did really well um certainly during the early years of of their government around 2010 was pushing forward the idea that their economic plans were pragmatic rather than in any way ideological and actually when you start to look back over the past few years and some specific policies and clearly this one I had no idea about that where it clearly was an entirely ideological measure and not at all a pragmatic one and that's a kind of fa- fascinating thing and it's only really over time can you really come to properly recognize a lot of these things i think how george osborne has reshaped our state in many ways and our politics that went with it which is so regrettable because it could have been so different and also obviously we've had this week the evening standard running as they do every year i think a big thing on people being hungry over christmas and what you can do to help that and i'm sure it doesn't mention how much food bank usage has risen over the seven years since he first became chancellor which i think is a a really remarkable and kind of shame-faced thing to do but there well, you are it is and 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 it really feels like i can't work out what the kind of right analogy is between it but you know some sense of that because of the decisions of george osborne the titanic is going down but he's come up with a really nice way to give out blankets out on the deck over christmas while the ship is sailing for these families christmas will be a daunting prospect already and I don't think many of them be reassured that the editor of The Evening Standard feels a little bit guilty one month out of 12. Anyway, another thing that we spoke about on the podcast this week was magazines and... Attitude have not called. <laughs> Do I need to leave my number on the podcast? I've been ringing Grazia constantly to try and get Liz Kendall on the cover and so far... They, they that have... must be doable. <laughs> it's but, Liz Kendall, she's fabulous. But Alison was uh, saying that her favourite magazine growing up was The Face, which, like like myself, you'd not heard of. No. You? But someone called Finn tweeted at me to say that we really missed out on The Face magazine. They even sent me an old cover which features Boy George holding twin babies next to the words, don't let the bigots grind you down. <laughs> so I've absolutely no idea what the Face magazine was about. <laughs> that, that clears up nothing for me whatsoever. But I do feel we've missed out in some way. Yeah, I mean, it looked brilliant. Finn also said that they enjoy this podcast because they're never sure what we're going to say on any given issue. And we try and work through the ideas in a kind of pragmatic way. Which are... Well, that's quite interesting because there is a sense that those who are on the centre-left, that our ideas are so tired or rehearsed or focus-grouped or that we just don't have anything to say. So that's a kind of response to all of that, actually, that hopefully we're getting interesting people, that, but crucially that we're applying our minds to difficult, complex um, problems. And that's good that we're not predictable, because I think that's where, as long as we're consistent in how we come to these things with centre-left values, I think it's a good thing that we're not necessarily predictable about what conclusions we come to. Because the world is changing really fast. And whether it's going back to the 50s, 70s or 90s, the answers aren't there. They're forward, not back. (laughs) Where where did you you get that from? Um, I was an organiser in that campaign and I am scarred by it still. Was that the 2005? It was the 2005 campaign. Look at you. Well, I just just think some of our listeners may not be completely sure which Labour Party slogans were used in which specific general election campaigns. Listeners who don't remember, these were the heady days of which the things we had to worry about at the time was the Countryside Alliance leaving dead carcasses outside Labour campaign offices for sitting Labour MPs who, of course,
course, had voted for various measures that apparently were kind of anti the countryside. And I think many people would would like to return to the heady days of being in government and making difficult decisions that had such consequences rather than elections where we turn up to deliver the leaflets and come second all the time. Actually, you know, several Labour MPs from that period and the only time they needed police protection outside their homes was after the fox hunting thing because of the countryside alliance. These are MPs who obviously had been in Parliament during Iraq and other controversial elements of the Labour government. With that, the kind of the people who were so pro-fox hunting uh, decided that they would target MPs' homes, which I think is a remarkable thing. It was a really remarkable thing at the time. It was very worrying, and I don't know what we had in the day, but it was pre-WhatsApp. But there were, whatever the equivalent <laughs> to a WhatsApp group was that us organisers were in, I remember waking up one day and an organiser being particularly distressed that they had kind of come in and found, I think it was like a whole dead cow outside a, a campaign office. A and cow? It, it literally was like, it was it was huge and it was really, really distressing for... Yeah, that sounds awful. It was a really bizarre thing. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, this sorry. is why you can't predict what we're going to say on the podcast, people. <laughs> We did definitely not put the dead cow stuff in the script this week. Matt Wesley and Tom Chapman said that the Progressive Britain podcast had been recently a point of discussion at a, a meeting of the De Montford University Labour Society. It's quite which, exciting. Um, I think it's the university in Leicester, isn't it? Yes, it is the university in Leicester. So they were tweeting me about this the other day off the back of Liz Kendall being on the podcast because obviously she is She's their MP. Uh, yeah, the Leicester MP. But this discussion clearly had taken place before she was on. So it's good that people are listening, even if their MP is not on the podcast. Very good. And you'll be pleased loyal listeners to get an update that Connor who not me listener but who yeah. our Connor mentioned previously on this had cited our podcast in their essay he let me know this week that he got a first for that essay so not only does this podcast have an academic citation it has one in a essay that was given a first brilliant shall we move on to the pub quiz question remind us what the pub quiz question was so this week we had Alison asking the pub quiz question I went to the same school as a British Prime Minister which Prime Minister was it? Yeah, so Alison was looking for which Labour Prime Minister went to the same school as her. Nick Bath answered correctly. He said that Harold Wilson was the former Prime Minister to have attended the same school. He added, I hope there's no hashtag quizgate this week after the Bolsover Huddersfield scandal. And Still Gulf's, rumbles on. And Gulf's previous episodes. But unfortunately, there kind of is. Oh, no. uh, a Quizgate scandal attached to this. Alison McGovern. Which both Thomas Nevlin and Sam Nutt, who also got the answer right, they pointed out a technicality. So Alison went to Wirral Grammar School for girls, whereas Harold Wilson went to Wirral Grammar School for boys. But Alison did tell us about this at the time. Yeah, she so did. It, we are prepared for it. There's and no gate here. Think... This is not a gate. <laughs> <laughs> Sam also left a comment to say, I am a student and so I drink everything out of mugs because they hold the largest amount of liquid and you can't see from the outside if they are dirty on the inside. So I would love a mug to add to my collection. I'm slightly concerned that we're going to disappoint Sam because we only have normal-sized mugs. They are average-sized <laughs> centre-left mugs. You can definitely get glasses that are bigger than a mug. They aren't see-through, so that you know the point about whether or not you need to clean it still counts. I would suggest cleaning it from time to time, but... Good advice. <laughs> But we could definitely sort out sending Sam, Thomas and Nick mugs. If you send in your addresses, we can pop them in the post for you. Richard, do you have any famous alumni from your school, like Alison has Harold Wilson? I don't think I do. I went to a very kind of bog standard comprehensive. I don't think anybody famous. I know. I had two ex-Premier League footballers that went to the same school as me. One of them was the top scorer in the Cypriot First Division last season. I thought we banned football from this <laughs> podcast 
Oh, I looked at it for Let my own Cypriot I love the Cypriots as I do. I looked at the alumni from my sixth form as well and found that the person that has just been crowned Northwest GP of the Year went to my sixth Big form. deal. So, that's, you know, that's, 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 quite, that's like a real achievement. <laughs> you must have to do a good thing in your job rather than kick a ball. <laughs> but that was the most famous person that I could find from my sixth form. No famous people went to mine. If any listeners have good political alumni stories from their schools, do send them in and we'll read them out on a future episode. Remember to send in any comments and questions, leave a review on iTunes and rate and subscribe. And Progressive Britain will be back on Tuesday next week with Alison McGovern. You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast with Connor Pope and Richard Angel. The music is When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And this episode was produced by Carolyn Crampton. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.